some of you, that's how you heard about this, uh, the Purpose Driven Life that we're beginning. So um, those are just a couple of announcements. Um, and, and I apologize, our, the gentleman who usually makes our bulletin is um, uh, super sick. And so you, we don't have a bulletin this morning, so we don't have all the normal phone numbers and things. Um, there, there is, uh, um, I did print out a life group um, menu, if you will, a list of the life groups. For those of you, we'll t- be talking about this in the service, who aren't in a life group, who want to get a small group to go through the purpose-driven life with the rest of us. And that's going to be out on the purpose-driven table out in the foyer. So um, otherwise, if you want to know the announcements, start listening or li- you know, listen to the message. I don't know if they're recording or not. A couple things real quick. Members, um, we are having our annual membership meeting next Sunday after church. Is that correct? That's correct. So please put it on your calendar to be here. We'll have a quick lunch afterwards and we'll have our annual membership meeting and talk about um, last year, the budgets and the things for next year. And so all you members, you need to come. Anyone's welcome to attend, but members are kind of required to so we can have a quorum. And I would normally look at my bulletin to see if I got all the other announcements, but since we don't have one, I guess I'm done. (laughs) Hey, isn't that great? Which is good. Which is great. Hey, um, we're going to receive an offering here in, in just a moment, and so I'll give you a second to get ready for that. We also, um, some, many people are beginning to give online. You can even text your giving. I'm, I'm pointing to the wall behind me because there is a media tech in the back who's like really working hard to get it up for me, and I appreciate it very much. But you can actually text or give online um, right on the website and look at it. Isn't that amazing? He's doing double duty right now, trying to get the sound, the recording, and the, and the stuff up. Um, but, you know, as we give into the ministry here, um, we believe as a church that we, we, we give 10% um, individually, and then even our church, we believe in giving a tithe. Um, but if you're visiting this morning, we don't charge rent. You know, so, so if you want to participate in the offering, that's, that's between you and God. Um, I always encourage people to really seek, uh, seek God to say, God, what would you have me give? Because what, what actually happens is, is when we hold back our giving, especially when God is prompting us to give, all we're doing is robbing ourselves from a blessing. Robbing ourselves from a blessing. I want to even encourage you in, in that moment that when somebody wants to take you out to lunch and, and you're doing that fighting over the bill, if they really want to ta- take you out to lunch and pay for them, let them do it. Let them do it. And I had to work through that because I used to, you know, I'd say, oh, I don't want anyone to ever pay for me. And I, I was actually one time out, had no money. We were on our way back from Mexico. And I had, I was, I, lo- I spent all my money. We stopped for food. And I'm like, oh, no, I just want to go home so I can eat. And, and I wouldn't order anything off the menu. And, and a gentleman there, my youth pastor, says, I want to buy your lunch. And I says, no, no, I'm fine. And he says, order something, otherwise you're going to rob my blessing from me. He understood the principle. So when we give, God blesses us back. He provides for us because it's a, it's a test of our obedience. So I'm going to ask the gentleman to come and receive the offering here as we pray. We want to see the kingdom of God established through the ministries here at Christian Center and everywhere we're connected to. So let's pray a blessing upon this offering so we can continue to reach the lost and disciple the saved. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to gather and worship, and as we give to you, it's another form of worship. Father, as we give into the offering today, I do pray that you would bless it. God, we pray that the kingdom of God would come and be established in this place. Lord, as we reach out to the lost in the valley, that the kingdom of God would come and be established in people's lives throughout the valley. And everywhere that we're connected through our missions, God, let your kingdom come, your will be done. The kingdom of God be established in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.
I have a lot of props today. And in case you are wondering, the junior high, um, the, the junior high teacher is sick. Actually, the junior high's teacher's son is sick. My wife. Um, Samuel is sick today, and so the junior high are in with us in service. So if you've got a, a, ch- a junior high and um, they're not with you, that means they're running amok somewhere. So go get them. Amen. All right. You know, I am really nervous this morning. I'm just going to, maybe if I admit it, it'll be much better. And uh, um, I'm really, really excited this morning to begin the Purpose Driven Life series here at Christian Center. Um, I've been praying about this and planning this for nearly six months. And if you know me, that's amazing. I don't plan anything. You know, I'm just kind of like, hey, what are we doing? You know, I mean, there, there, there's been times, what are we doing on, on Sunday? And it's like Thursday. And I'm like, I don't know yet. <laughs> you know, and I've just been seeking the Lord. And so I've been, you know, uh, praying about this. And we've got people been praying for this. Because I believe this series is going to be really important in our life um, to understand that God actually has a purpose in our lives. And we're going to spend the next six weeks going through that. Um, and so we're going to be going through the book uh, and, the, and the, minute, the Purpose Driven Life, which is also called, What on Earth Am I Here For? Many people have asked that question. I've even asked it myself. So we're going to be spending the next six weeks going through that. And I want to encourage you, if you're not part of a life group, to get involved with a life group. It's not too late. Um, because probably more than half of what we're going to be doing is going to be taking place in our life groups. They're going to be watching a weekly video talking about the, the lessons we're going through um, and, and having a time to, to discuss and, and other things. Also, if you don't get into a life group, you will not get one of these pretty fancy bookmarks. Um, but, but this bookmark could be important for you. One, it's a nice, you can, you can you know, put it in your Bible. But it also is going to have, here we go, there's going to be a lot required of us. It's going to have the six memory verses that we're all going to be memorizing over the course of this series. And some of you are like, I can't memorize anything. But we're going to work on that together. And so well, you're going to get one of those. And um, in, in the back of the, in the foyer, we have books and study guides available. Um, I encourage you, whether you're in a life group or not, to get the book and begin reading the book with us. We're going to start tomorrow. If you're a couple days off, you can go at your own pace. I would definitely start sometime this week. But I'm going to encourage everyone to start tomorrow morning reading um, day one. And then each week as we come together, um, we'll begin the next next topic. And so we'll all be on the same same page. If you have a, a an issue with a, a affording the, the book, we'll make something happen. We want to make sure everyone has a book. The study guide also, if you're in a life group, you definitely will, you, you can get one of these. And that will help you along the way. Um, because there's so much here. What I, what I like about this is that it's just a daily reading. Who, who doesn't like to read? I, I have a hard time. I'm not a real reader. Um, I actually prefer listening to, to um, books than I do, do reading them. Um, I do a lot of reading, but I don't always enjoy it. And it's kind of interesting. But um, each reading is about four or five pages. 
So you'll actually get through done the whole book in about 42 days. Uh, it's not that that is one day's reading right there, just that little bit. And so um, you can also get this if you are not a reader. You can get this on audio, audible, and you can listen to it. And so some of you are going, thank you, Pastor Rob. Had nothing to do with me, but Rick Warren did tell me that he's my best friend, and so and he told me he could you could buy that from him. Okay. Um, I should have showed you the picture with us. but uh, So I encourage you to get the book. We're going to be going through that. Get in a, in a life group. Um, there's a lot of information out there. If you don't have a life group, you can either just pick up, um, pick up a life group list and call them or write your name on the list, and we will call you and find out what best works for you. Hey, I'm also excited. We've started three new life groups because of this series, so we've got a lot more options. Um, I think we have stuff on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays now. And we have some in the morning and some in the afternoon and some in the evenings. So, so hopefully there's a group that will work out for you. We, we, we're recording right there, right? I'm sure we are. Purpose. Knowing your purpose is really important. Knowing something's purpose is really important. About, about eight or so years ago, I ordered uh, some guitar strings and a little peg winder for my, my guitar to change the to change the strings on it. And I got a free present in the mail with that, and it's this little round thing. And it says Dean Markley, and that's the t- strings I, I was trying that time. and didn't like them, but um, anyways. Um, so I got this little round thing, and it's got a little hole at the top, and I figured that might be for like a keychain. And I was going, well, what is this? I, I got it with my guitar strings, and it says Dean Markley strings on it. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's got this little bottom here. I wish we were on video. You could see it. It's a little, uh, at the bottom, it's round, but there's a little flat plate that actually moves. And it pushes in about uh, an, a quarter of an inch or an eighth of an inch. And then I realized that there was a, there's a, a blade or a piece of metal sticking out. And, I'm, I mean, I've played guitar a long time. Gary, I was looking at this going, what is this? It's got to be something for my guitar string. So... I mean, so I saw the little blade thing, and I thought, well, maybe after I put the guitar strings on, I put it over that, and I cut the string off with it, right? No, that wasn't it. <laughs> I, I mean, and, and I, I, this thing is, and, you know, I would look at it and play with it, and, I mean, I spent a, a, a number of, you know, a time during a number of different days going back and going, what is this? I did not know its purpose, now, the, the, the problem, one of the problems was is that I was trying to connect its purpose to where I got it from, you know, and it came from the Dean Markley strings. And, and so um, I found out it had nothing to do with guitars. <laughs> it has nothing to do with guitar strings. What I found out is that you take a CD and you rub this on the side and it cuts the plastic off. <laughs> so, let's see here. It's kind of old, so I don't know if it still works. There we go. And you can open the CD wrapper. And who's ever struggled opening one of these things? I mean, like, I'm like, you know, I'm 46 years old, and I can't open a CD wrapper. And uh, so, anyway, so I discovered its purpose. Knowing what something's purpose is is really important because then it, it does a much better job. This thing was not going to cut my guitar strings. <laughs> I just tried and tried and tried. Who likes worship? There you go. Thank you. Thank you. All right. 
So now I know what the purpose of this is. The problem is I, I probably should keep it on my keychain because every time I get a CD, this is like in a drawer somewhere, and I don't, I, I don't have it. But know your purpose. We're going to spend the next six weeks going through and understanding our purpose in life. Our purpose in life. Um, Some of you have a handout sheet. I encourage you to go through there. Some of the scriptures we'll be going through are written on that. And if you want to fill out some notes, um, notice I I did it um, double-sided. The reason I did it double-sided is because I didn't want you to doodle on the backside when I was talking. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, But feel free to take some notes on that. And and every time we get to a point, there's going to be eight points on there. Otherwise, you can follow along a little bit on some of these scriptures. I'm using some different versions, Bible versions, for some of these scriptures. And that's why I wanted to print that out for you. Uh, One of the most uh, known and memorable uh, and maybe even loved verses in the Bible is in the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 28. People who don't go to church know this verse sometimes. People who um, have just just been around the block have heard this scripture. It's on cards, get well cards. It's on a lot of things. And it's, um, you've, you've probably heard it, I'm sure, many, many times. And it's uh, part of the promises of the Bible. And it says this, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And usually we stop right there. And we just quote that and we put it on our cards and we say, God works all things for the good, for those who love him. In fact, often we stop with even before that, who love him and just say, God works all things for the good. Now notice, it doesn't just say the good things. God works the good things. He works all things. He works the bad things. He he works the crummy things. All those things for the good for those who love him. Um, There's a lot of stuff in our lives that's bad that's happened to us. But in all things, God works for them together for the good. He can bring good out of whatever bad has happened in your life. But, but notice it says, for those who love him. So that's the first part, for those who love him. And then, and then keep going on. It says, um, for those who love him who have been called, on your notes, if you're, you can circle that or highlight it or underline or something, circle the word called according to his purpose. And then you can also do the same thing with purpose. Because we're going to be talking today about God's calling and God's purposes over the next six weeks. But God works all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose purpose. And I want to tell us this morning, God has a purpose for us this morning, and God has a calling for us this morning. If I were to ask you to think, uh, tell me what you think of when you hear the word call, probably most of you are going to be thinking of, you know, call waiting, call me back, answer the call, make a call. Most everything we're going to be thinking of is going to have to do with the telephone, right? We all have one. In fact, mine was making little sounds in my pocket, and so I'm going to see who was calling in case it was God. <laughs> you know, th- that's a confession. I have a love-hate relationship with phones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a love-hate relationship because as a pastor, um, I, get a lo- I get a lot of phone calls. And they're not always good. In fact, a lot of the phone calls I get are bad. Somebody's dying. So he's been diagnosed with a disease. They're sick. They lost a job. They're calling for prayer. Um, and those calls don't always come at opportune times. Sometimes I'm with somebody else. Sometimes I may be um, trying to be with my family. 
And so I have a love-hate relationship with the phone because it's also a wonderful to get in contact with people. Um, when, when I need something myself, I can call, call people. So I kind of have this, this love-hate relationship with the phone. But see, when, if this phone started ringing today, and I was going to try to figure out how to make this happen, and I didn't, and, and I, it lights up on your screen. Who's got a smartphone, right? It lights up and tells you who it is. And, and I want to encourage you, if you ever get a phone f- call from God... Don't swipe it and send it to voicemail. <laughs> we want to answer that call, don't we? I want to encourage you to pick it up right away. Unfortunately, when, when we get phone calls, most of us, are, a lot of us are kind of thinking it's a telemarketer. You know, we're not really always expecting something good. Most of us aren't answering the phone expecting that the person on the other side can say, congratulations, you just won $5 million. Those are the emails you get. And all you have to do is send Nigeria some money and you can get all that money. <laughs> so we want to, we're going to focus on, on the words purpose and calling this, this week and uh, for the next few weeks. And the word call in the Greek is kaleo, which is great because it sounds just like call. And um, it, it means to call somebody, to call somebody by name, and it also means somebody's calling what they do. The word in the Latin um, is, is vosare. I think that's how you pronounce it, which is the, where we get the words voice, right? It's to call. It's also where we get the word vocation. Now, vocation is supposed to be your calling, but to, for most people, we have limited that down to be simply... Um, your work, what you're doing. But vocation is much more than that. It's your calling. It's not just what you're doing to earn money. And so we're going to be focusing more on what is your calling? What is your vocation? What has God called you for? Um, a couple verses down below Romans 8.28, it says this, those that God predestined, he also called, and those he called, he justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. And those are some great words. We'll get on to those later, justified and glorified. But we're going to focus on him calling us. We need to know that we have been called by God. What does that mean? Kaleo. It's like a call. God is calling you. The reason God created you, the reason God created you is called your calling. And most of us aren't walking into our calling as much as God wants us to. So we're going to be looking at God's calling and God's purpose for our life. What am I supposed to do with my life? The Bible is full of God's calling people. He called Abraham. And he called the the Israelites out of um, out of Egypt using Moses. He called, he called Nehemiah and he called Isaiah and he called Jeremiah. He called Peter and Paul and... Yeah, I knew somebody would say Mary. I knew somebody would say Mary. He called Peter and Paul. He called the disciples to follow him. And some of you young people are going, Peter, who is Peter, Paul, and Mary? So he called all these people and, and God has a call on every single one of our lives, and that's what we need to discover. Many people are walking around aimlessly in this life, not understanding their calling. So we're going to be doing that. In fact, we're going to look at um, five facets 
of this calling. It's kind of like the fa- uh, sides of a diamond um, on your life. And as we go each week, uh, I, my, my prayer is that we would all understand God's call on our life and that we would fulfill his call. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, my prayer is, is this. It says, in, in the NIV, it says it this way. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. We sing that song, um, Open the Eyes of My Heart. And that's from the, this verse. And on your, on your page, it does say it a little bit different. But it also goes on, it says, Pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. My prayer is that your, our eyes would be enlightened and we would understand that hope to which he is calling us. He has a hope for us that's far beyond anything we're walking into. Now, and that is my prayer, that we as God's people, we will then discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all God's people. Who wants some glorious blessings? Amen. I could use some glorious blessings in my life. It's a little dim. When, we, when our eyes are open, we can understand and discover the incredible blessings that we're missing out on. So today, what we're going to do today is actually just introduce the subject a, a little bit. I'm going to give us eight points, eight things um, that we learn from God's Word about the calling in our life. Eight things, and these are going to be on your paper. If you've got a pen, because they're not written out, you're going to have to write them in. All right, so you can get, get a pen for your neighbor. The first one is f- simply this. My calling is a gift from God. My calling is a gift from God. Now, if you have a job that you're, you're, you're working and you think that's your calling and you're miserable, I'm going to tell you, that's not your calling. That's just your job. Your calling is actually a gift from God. That means you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. I, don't, I can't work for it. I can't bargain for it. I don't barter for it. It's just simply a gift from God. It's God's grace. And, and I appreciate Julie bringing that, that word of God's grace. The word grace in the, in the uh, Greek is, means gift. It just means gift, and our calling is a gift from God. On your paper, circle the word in Galatians 1. It says this, God, by his grace through Christ, has called you to become his people. If you want to circle, by his grace. God, by his grace, has called us to become his people. Here's what grace is. God knows every dumb mistake I've ever made I'm ever going to make and he still chose to create me that's good that's God's grace he knew everything you were going to do and by his grace he chose to create you and to call you in fact God knows everything I've done even when I've rejected him turned my back on him thumbed my nose if you will at him And God still says, I love you. I created you. I've got a calling and purpose for your life. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this. He has saved us and called us, they go together, to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Our calling is part of our salvation. He, He saw us before we were born and he called us and we became saved. And it's, it goes together for his purpose and grace. Praise God. Purpose. Circle purpose. 
God has a purpose. What on earth am I here for? We're going to be reminded throughout this time, God has a purpose. Number two, I am called for God's purpose. I am called for God's purpose. It's not my purpose. It's not my plan. I'm called only for God's purpose. He's got a plan. He doesn't... uh, He didn't make you for you. He didn't make me for me. It's not about whatever I want to do and just do my own thing. God actually has a plan, and he created me and called me for his purpose. He didn't call us to be selfish and think only about ourselves. It's hard to to wrap our, our, our head around that when we see so many selfish people in the world, especially, you know, children. Children are very selfish. But God, God called us not for ourselves. Um, I want to tell a little bit a story about some people that God called um, in the Bible. And it's Jacob and Esau in the Bible. Jacob and Esau. They were twins. And they were, um, uh, they were the sons of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. And in the, in the Old Testament, in this culture, the firstborn child was kind of like it. He got all the blessings. He got all the good stuff. When you had a firstborn son, it was kind of like, wow, you're the firstborn. You're my favorite. You're awesome. You're going to get a double blessing. And if you had another kid, it's like, oh, hi. (laughs) You know, it's just kind of like, you're the extra. You know, it's like, okay. And they had a lot of extras, but there was always something special about the first one. I'm not going to be pointing out, but I just saw a younger sibling turn to the older sibling and kind of look at them. It's kind of (laughs) funny. Yeah, I'm the youngest in my family. I was like the way afterthought. Um, they were, I think my mom and dad were going to name me Oops. <laughs> but, but Jacob and Esau were, were twins. Now, here's the thing. Esau actually was born first. Even though they're twins, he came out of the womb first, and Jacob came out grabbing Esau's heel. Now, before they were born, God had a plan that Jacob would be called for what he wanted to call him for, not Esau. See, man's idea was Esau was going to be the man. And really, Esau grew up and he was the rugged guy. He was the manly man. And Jason, you know, it said that Esau uh, was a hunter and Jacob dwelt in the tent. You know, I mean, he was a mama's boy. He was not it. But God had a calling on Jacob. And so he rose Jacob up to be the one. And it says, that on this it says, the older will serve the younger is what the Bible says. The two were born, and God told Rebecca in Romans chapter 9, the older will serve the younger. That's the exact opposite of culture. And, and what did they do? What did Jacob do to deserve it? Nothing. Nothing. See, see you could almost say, well, Esau deserved it because at least he was born first. That's the whole point. We don't do anything. God calls us for his purpose. It was God's purpose, and he called Jacob to serve him and to know him. Now, God called me before I was born. I didn't answer the phone for a a few years, but he had a call for me before I was born. But when I was 15 years old, I came to Christ, uh, rededicated my life to Christ, and I began to serve him. And somewhere in there, and I can't tell you exactly the moment, I just knew that I was made for something different and that I would be not happy doing anything but serving God. Now, I didn't know if that was going to be in full-time ministry or work, but I just knew that God had a calling on my life, and I'm glad that I I, uh, figured that out early. And at some point in my life, I've said things like this, God, 
I'm signing the check to you. It's blank. It's for as much as you want it. Here it is. This is my life. Just take it all. And, and, and we gave that. It's kind of like what somebody, similar to what somebody in the military does. When they join the military, they sign the check that says, payable up to the full amount, including my life. And that's what we do with God. Because he called us, and we answer the call. And we give ourselves completely. Um, now, during that time, I, I had a lot of jobs. My jobs included, I worked in a donut shop when I was 12. I was a groundskeeper. I was a housekeeper. I was a desk clerk, a hotel manager. Um, I did construction. I did some pa- I did painting and roofing and electrical and framing. And so I did all that in construction. Um, I delivered pizza for Domino's. Um, I worked at a school district as the janitor and then in the maintenance department. I was a part-time DJ. That was kind of a fun thing. I was a part-time DJ. Uh, Yeah, I think that's... I owned and operated a coffee house in Guatemala. I've had a lot of jobs in my life. Oh, yeah, thank you. I owned and operated a wedding chapel at about 1,500 weddings. You know, as a, as a, young, as a young pastor, when I first started in, in pastoral ministry, you know, somebody came up and said, you know, hey, I'd like you to do our wedding. Have you ever done a wedding before? And I says, yeah, a couple. It's all right. They said, about how many? I says, about 1,500. <laughs> and they said, no, really, how many? I says, 1,500. Anyways, so that was, that was, I've had a lot of different jobs, but none of those were my vocation. None of those were my calling. I've been bivocational. I worked to earn money, but I knew that there was a calling on my life. And most of those jobs that I had were short-term. Anything I could do to earn a paycheck to keep supporting me in the calling of God for my life. You have a calling that is unique to your life. It's not the same as my calling. But it's a calling from God, and he has a purpose for all of us. And some of those, they, there's many of parts that overlap. In Ephesians 2, it says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, he, he created us for a purpose, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Um, there's some really important truths in this verse. Let's look at it. First, the Bible says that we are God's workmanship. Circle it, underline it, highlight workmanship. The, wor- the word in the Greek for workmanship is poema. Where do we, what comes from that word? The poem. Poems are works of art. They're beautiful. You are God's beautiful work of art. God's workmanship. You were created in Jesus to do good works. Now you might be going, I'm not a masterpiece. I'm not a masterpiece. I feel like I'm just a piece of junk. I used to say that about myself. I just had such a low self-esteem. I just says, I am just a piece of junk. And I'm very thankful for a friend of mine who just stopped me and says, listen, God doesn't make junk. See, you were created in God's image. God doesn't make junk. Also, Jesus Christ did not stretch out his arms and bleed and die for junk. God doesn't make junk. Jesus didn't die for junk. And the Holy Spirit will not live in junk. You are God's masterpiece. You're his poem. You're a work of art. 
God created us for that. This calling is for you. He created it and he made you his masterpiece. And it says that he created us to do good works. Those good works are are your and my contribution to the world. He called us. He created us. And he says, I've got a plan and a purpose for you. And it's to do good works. It's your contribution, the things that you're going to add to people's lives and in this world. And he's got a purpose and a plan for you. He wants you to make a contribution. And God prepared in advance, it says. Circle that, prepared in advance. This wasn't an afterthought. You know, I confess at the beginning, I'm, I'm one of these, I'm really working at getting more organi- organized and, and, and planned out. You know, so, so a lot of things in my life are like, hey, this would be fun, let's go do that. God had a plan. It included you from the very beginning. And he says, I'm going to make a masterpiece, a work of art that has a purpose in this world. And that's you. Here's the third principle. We already started talking about it. God chose my calling before I was born. God chose my calling before I was born. He doesn't wait and look at you and say, oh, what's your bent? Oh, you like to do this? I'm going to call you to this. That's how we work. God called you before you were born. As we go into this uh, this, uh, purpose-driven life, um, what on earth am I here for over the next six weeks? We need to know that that, uh, our, our calling is a gift from God. I'm called for God's purpose, not my own, and that my calling was before I was born God chose it. Galatians 1.15 says this, It pleased God in His kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. That's right out of the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. What undeserved mercy. Right? It pleased God in His kindness to choose me and call me even before I was born. What undeserved mercy. Jeremiah 1.5 says this, Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. Some of you are living in a, in a discouraged and depressed place maybe, and I want to let you know God has a plan for you. God created you. He shaped you before in the womb. He knew all about you before you saw the light of day. He had holy plans for you. And the Bible says that God uniquely shaped you. You've been hearing about those you know, custom, custom babies. What are they called? Prescription babies they're trying to do. You get to pick all their eye colors and the hair color. They're trying to make prescription babies. God made a prescription baby in you. He crafted you. You are holy and righteous and beautiful. You are God's workmanship. Don't ever say that you're junk, that you have no purpose, that you have no talents, that you, you weren't given the right uh, social things in order to succeed and do anything big for God. I don't know if you, any of you know Nick Wojciechek, if I'm saying that right. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you're stuttering. Nick Wojciechek, Wojciechek, he was born with no arms and no, no legs. He was Brandon's hero. In a wheelchair, he's, he's got a flipper. He calls it his flipper, one little tiny piece of thing. And he has made... He has made more of an impact in the world than, than probably any of us in this, this room has ever made with no arms and no legs. 
God has a plan for everyone to reach the purpose that God has for them. God doesn't make junk. There are no mistakes. You are God's custom baby. Isaiah 44.2. Isaiah 44.2 says this. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. That's our memory verse this week. So we're going to work on this in just a minute. We're going we're to do that. In, in order to get a memory verse, you have to say it out loud because you have to hear it and say it and read it all together. And so Isaiah 44, 2, in the best way, who's, who knows a lot of Bible verses but doesn't know where they are in the Bible? right like you can quote them and you can quote a whole bunch of stuff but tell me where it's at we we call that the address where you live is your address where it is found in the bible is called the address well i know a lot of scriptures and i always don't know the address so we're gonna we're gonna fix that by saying the address the verse and then the address again okay so isaiah 44 2 i am your creator you were in my care even before you were born. Isaiah 44, 2. Very good. Let's move one more time. Isaiah 44, 2. I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. Isaiah 44, 2. We're going to memorize six verses over the next six weeks. And, and remember these, and this is an important one to remember because it, it will help you and encourage you in those moments that you're down when you say, wait a second, God, you said that you were my creator and that you cared for me even before I was born. God is your creator, not your parents, because, you know, that we, we know that there are some parents who had babies, like I joked around, and I've never even found out. I said they should have called me oops. See, there are sometimes accidental parents, but there are no accidental babies. There are accidental parents. There are no accidental babies because God is the creator of all life. Amen? Amen. 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 And so we can take solace that that doesn't matter what kind of situation we were born into. God chose me. He created me. He called me. I am not an accident. And if you think you're an accident, you're going to live like one. If you think you're junk, you're going to live like it. We've got to get our eyes onto Jesus and begin to walk and live like we're not an accident, like we're not junk, that we have a purpose in this life. Have you ever been into a place in a situation where somebody walked in the room and he didn't have to have a uniform on? You just knew they belonged. Something about the way they carried themselves and they walked. They said, this person has a purpose. And it's like there was something. I've seen people like that and I'm just in awe. Like, I want to be like that. We can walk in every situation with confidence knowing that we are not an accident, that we're a masterpiece, that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And when we walk into any situation, we can know that we're called. Amen? It says that, it says you were in my care before I was even born. God cares for you. We need to remember that he's, we're in his care. Thirdly, in that verse, it says, this all happened before we were ever born. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God chose me. God chose my calling before I was born. And where did we learn about that? 
Isaiah 44, 2. And it says what? I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. And where was that found? Very good class. The fourth thing. My sins and my mistakes don't change my call. I was just about to say that. I was going to do the hallelujah dance. My sins and my mistakes don't change my call. I am so glad for this one, and some of you are too. It doesn't matter how messed up your life has been. Whether you messed it up or somebody else messed it up. Listen, it doesn't matter how many dumb decisions you've made in the past, it hasn't changed God's call on your life at all. The the call that God gave you before you were born, the call that you had when you were saved, the call that was reaffirmed when, when you dedicated your life again, it's been there forever, it's a permanent calling. God doesn't change it and your sins and mistakes don't change it and the enemy doesn't change it and nothing changes that. Think of Paul. 1 Timothy says this, By calling me into his service, Jesus has judged me trustworthy even though I used to be a blasphemer and a persecutor and contemptuous. Mercy, however, was shown me because while I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. I love that phrase. While I lacked faith, I acted in ignorance. That's saying I did a lot of dumb stuff growing up. I'm pretty transparent. I tell a lot of stories about myself and the silly things I've done and the bad stuff I've done. There's stuff I still don't talk about. I've done a lot of dumb stuff in my life and everyone said, Amen. (laughs) Very good class. And yet my sins and my mistakes, my mistakes don't change my call. Paul was all these things. He was a terrorist. He was killing Christians and dragging them out of their homes. He was a religious terrorist. And yet God called him and had a point and plan to use the apostle Paul. One of the things I love about God is that he doesn't waste anything. He fits it into his plan. God works all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All of your mistakes, all the things that have ever happened, whether you did it, whether it was done to you, God won't waste any of it. He will use it all for his plan because his plan for you is permanent and it cannot be changed. Your mistakes don't change your calling. Now, I wrestled with this this point a little bit that I'm about to share with you. There is no plan B for you. There is no plan B. You know, we we make a plan, it doesn't work out. We go up to back, back to plan B. See, with God... He knows the end from the beginning and he called you. 
and he's got a purpose for you and he will use everything that happens in your life to accomplish that purpose there is no plan B the, the best picture and this is this is weak but it's the best picture I could think of and it's because it came out of my mind it's really weak he is the best GPS system ever and any of you who've who've been following your GPS and you, 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 you plot in your points and, and good GPS you can put in more than one right put in you know I want to go here 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 and here and and, and you boom and it'll start telling you where to go well there's been times I was driving and I kept missing the turn and I'm watching the little road on GPS are you guys tracking with me you're at the little road and it, you know in 50 feet turn right rerouting in 75 feet turn right and, and the arrow keeps moving and kind of coming and pretty soon it's like it turned left and, and it just keeps telling me how to get to the place I want no matter what I did it keeps rerouting finding the best way to get me to my purposed location God is better than GPS it's God's positioning system no matter what turns you make wrong he will always reroute you but what's really amazing is that he will even make up for lost time it's not like that person who was hiking and he was lost and he was trying to get to this campground and, and, and a ranger came up and he says, listen, I'm lost. I'm trying to get to such and such campground. And the ranger looked at him and says, you can't get there from here. <laughs> if you think about that, that's a pretty funny statement. You can't get there from here. You can get there from here with God. You can get everywhere. He wastes nothing. He will use everything that happens. And someday you'll actually see what, how he makes it and works it for good. He wastes nothing. My, my dad was famous at making stews out of nothing. He would just take whatever was in the fridge and there was nothing wasted. I mean, if the celery, pieces of ham, and it came out really, I was like, how did you make this? The only problem is he made some really amazing meals that he could never duplicate. <laughs> Ever. Because it was just whatever happened to be there and you would, you'd be surprised at how good mold can taste. I mean, <laughs> he wasted nothing. Your mistakes don't change God's plan and purpose for your life is for. And the fifth is this. The, it's really, the, it's, it's an offset of the other one. The fifth thing we learn about God's calling is that it's permanent. It's permanent. Nobody takes it from you. God doesn't change his mind. Oh, well, he really messed up. I guess I'm going to take it back. He does not do that. Listen, Romans 11.29 says this. God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable. irrevocable how would you like to go in and buy a brand new car maybe what you know, pick your favorite car with a big jacked up truck or whatever it is and and you're and you're making all the agreements and you know you got to pay eight hundred dollars a month because it's ridiculously expensive and all of these things and you got to pay four thousand dollars a month for insurance and and all this and you're signing all this and at the bottom it says oh by the way no matter what even if you don't pay for this car this car is irrevocable. I've never signed a contract like that, but I sure would like to. <laughs> Sign me up, baby. God's call is irrevocable. That means if you walk away from him, his call is still on you. And he says, I have a purpose and a call for your life. Nothing is going to change it. Nothing's going to change it permanently, forever and ever. I have a call. Now, we're not going to reach the call 
by not living for God. But if we will love him, he will lead us into the call that he has for our life. If our calling is permanent, my job is not my calling. I want to I I really speak that because some of you are in a career path and may, you might be just thinking, you know, it's my job. My, your job is not your calling because your calling is permanent. It supersedes your job. Even if my job is a pastor, someday I won't be a paid pastor. I'll be too old to pastor, but the call of God is never removed from my life. See, my working as a pastor is not my call. But his calling as a pastor will be irrevocable. I will always have the heart to shepherd people because it's a calling. Six, my calling is connected to others. My calling is connected to others. My calling, my assignment from God in life, my purpose, my vision, the dream that God has for my life is connected to other people. What do I mean by that? You can't fulfill your purpose in life by yourself. It's impossible. You have to be connected to other people. It's like your, the parts of your body. See, the, the Bible calls us the body of Christ. And the parts of your body are useless unless they're connected to other parts of the body. Have you ever seen the video or or, or studied the eye? The eye is the most complex system in the Bible. There's over a million nerves. When you're born, there's a million nerves that shoot out from your eyeball and a million receptors that shoot out from your brain. There's a certain time in in the womb that you can't see yet, and all of a sudden, your eye sends out a a million little... little, fibers and your brain sends out a million little fibers and they all have to connect up to each other in order for you to have sight and that's what happens it's like you know have have you ever tried to like rewire a stereo system or something or a tv and it's like where does this wire go and you turn on that if it's the tv you turn it on you go why is everybody green well because you got the yellow and the red one mixed up and you got the wrong colors and there's only three of them God is amazing and this eyeball can see everything and it actually just sees light and it translates light to, to you and it even sees it upside down and your brain turns it right side up. I mean, it's just an absolute amazing thing but my eyeball outside of my head is just a little, well, it's pretty big actually, just a ball rolling around. It can't see anything. It has to be connected to the body. You will not find your purpose outside of other people. You're not an answer only to yourself. We're supposed to live life connected to others. Romans 14 says this, None of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. We have to be connected, church. That's why we believe that life groups are so important. Not just a group of people that have lunch together. Not just a group of people that go motorcycle riding together or make quilts together. We talked about this in membership class yesterday. But, but people that live life together, that hold each other accountable, that love each other, that encourage each other, that, that ha- cause each other to grow. Ephesians 4.4 4 says this. It's on your notes. We are all one body. Circle all one body. We have the same spirit. Circle same spirit. And we all have been called. Circle all 
been called. We're one body. We have the same spirit. We've all been called to what? To the same glorious future hope. It's only in connection and in community that I'll find and fulfill my calling. God calls us to live as a body. Everything he talks to us about. He, we're a flock. We're an army. We're the family. We're the body. All of these things are multiple things joined together in one. You will not fulfill your purpose on your own. We talked about this in membership class yesterday too. That if you're a Christian and you're outside of the family of God, you're an orphan. You need to be in the family. You need to be in the family. Hebrews 3 says this, Brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. The other people in your small group are partners in your heavenly calling. We're better together. We're better as a team. You've got to be connected. Seven. God empowers what he calls me to do. God empowers what he calls me to do. What does that mean? That God's got callings on our lives that we can't do on our own. But he will empower us to do them. If he's given me an assignment, he's going to make me able to do it. He doesn't call me to do something that he doesn't prepare and equip me to do. Now, now sometimes he, he equips us as we're going. There's a saying that says, he, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And you're called and he will equip you. You don't have to do anything to get ready for it. He will empower you to do it. So once I understand that, that God has a call in my life, I commit myself to him. I commit myself to God's calling for me. I say, God, whatever time I've got left on this earth, I'm going to serve you with it whether it's a week or a month or a year or 40 years or 60 years, I'm going to commit myself to you. And when you do that, God commits his resources to you. And God will equip you to do whatever he calls you to do. And that's a powerful thought. Don't say, I can't do it. I'm not prepared. God will prepare you and equip you. Ephesians 4 says, I urge you, to live a life to which God has called you. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says, The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He'll give you the power to help the person you need to help. 2 Thessalonians 1, this is why we always pray for you, asking our God to help you. That help, that's empowerment there. To help you live the kind of life he called you to live. God says, if I called you to live this kind of life, I'm going to help you with the power. And that says, we pray that with this power, God will help you do the good things you want and perform the works that come from your faith. God will give you the power to do it. As we're going through, even through this purpose-driven life, I encourage you, if you've already gone through it and you, and, and you understand this, take somebody else with it. Start your own, uh, your own group. Um, help somebody come alongside of you and, and learn that God has a calling for their life. Okay, I'm going to 
God chose my calling before I was born. My sins and mistakes don't change my calling. My calling is permanent. Satan can't take it away. Nobody on earth can take it away. It's irrevocable. My calling is connected to others. God will empower me to do what he calls me to. And here's the last point. There's a prize for living out my calling. There's a prize for living out my calling. Who doesn't like a prize? Right? I mean, what happened to cereal with prizes in the box? When I was a kid, I mean, I couldn't wait to get the prize. Now, now in my family, we were, we were raised with, believe it or not, you know, with, with respect. And, you know, because you might not look at me and think that, but um, we could not dig through the cereal box to get the prize. We had to wait until it came out. Now, I had a friend who would... <laughs> Just open up the thing and dump the box of cereal on the table. Get the prize out and stuff the cereal back in. And anyways, but I loved the prize. You know, sometimes I was a magnet. You know, a little magnet on the, you know. There was a cereal called Smiles, Giggles, Grins, and Laughs. It came with magnets. So we used to play, this has nothing to do with anything, but so we would, We'd take those prizes and collect them all, and we'd play magnets on the fridge, and we'd start 15 feet away and throw the magnet, whoever stuck it, right? See, that's what kids used to do. It made up fun. There's a better prize than magnets for those who are living out our calling. That's why I'm, part of the reason I'm excited about this campaign is because there's a prize for living out the calling. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the goal to win the prize. Circle that. Win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? I could not tell you in a couple of months the prize that waits us in heaven. We're going to be with Christ. We're going to be like Christ. We're going to be sin-free. We're going to be pain-free. We're going to be sickness-free. We're not going to have IRS in heaven. We're not going to have any of these things. And and we can't even understand the glories and the riches that wait us in heaven. If you want to hear about heaven, go back a couple years on our website and look up the series we did here on heaven. I think it was about 15 weeks long. And it was really in-depth about how awesome heaven is. Heaven is waiting for us, but it's not just a place we go. We will be with God. We will be like Him. We will be co-starring, if you will, in this amazing, amazing place. And it says in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.12, it says, Live the kind of life that pleases God, who calls you to share in His own kingdom and glory. We get to share in His kingdom and glory. Most of us would just be like, I'll be fine if I can just sit in the corner of heaven. You know, I'm okay. Just, just, I'm there. I'm good. I don't need anything. He says, no. You're going to share in my kingdom and glory. I have been on 42nd Street in New York City. I've been to Broadway. You know where they have all the big billboards up there. Imagine you're looking up at Broadway or something. And in the billboard there says, starring Jesus Christ and your name. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I mean, I, you know, I get, I get my name in the newspaper, in the Grizzly, and I'm like, look, there's my name in the paper. <laughs> Starring Jesus Christ and Fiona. 
<laughs> the prize. We're going to be with him, like him, forever. And we're going to share in his kingdom and his glory. Are you interested in that? Talked about answering the phone a couple minutes ago. God has already called you. Some of you put him off to voicemail. Some of you just turned the volume down. The smart ones in here know that when you cancel the call and send it to voicemail, they know that you just did that because it rings twice and then it's like, hey, he just sent me to voicemail. Some of you have turned down the volume. Some of you have sent in a voicemail. There's some people that have blocked him altogether. We don't want to do that. God called you from before you were born, and he's still calling. Will you pick up the phone and answer the call? And God's saying, I'm not hanging up. I'm going to let it ring and ring and ring. Don't ignore it any longer. I'm going to pray for us here in just a moment. We want to learn to become those who would listen to the call and answer his call and press into the call. If you're in here and you're visiting, if you're in here and you're part of the church but you've never answered God's call for salvation, today's the day. God's calling you in the first part is to say, I've got a life for you. I'll forgive your sins. I'll purify the unrighteousness. I will take your mistakes and I'll change them and use them for my purpose if you'll come to me. I'm gonna, and we're going to all close our eyes. We're going to invite you to pray a simple prayer. And then we're going to pray for us all after that. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, say a prayer something like this. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I understand that you have a purpose for my life. I want to walk in the purpose you have for me. I will follow you. I want to learn to love you and trust you. In Jesus' name. Father, for the rest of us, as we close in prayer today, God, I pray that you would enlighten our hearts so that we may know our calling. God, that we may understand the love that you have for us and understand that each of us in here is a masterpiece, that you created us, that you put your handprint upon us, that we are your poem, your work of art. God, that you've given us a call to, to in this world and that you continue to call us until we answer, God, and that you will never take that calling away. Father, this morning I pray that we would all answer the call that we begin this journey of understanding that you have a purpose for us that's outside of ourselves outside of our selfishness it's outside of our career it's outside of our hopes and dreams god but it's above all those things lord no matter how broken we are god no matter what people have done to us god and there are some people in here who god who've been who've been absolutely devastated by other people people who've been hurt and mistreated and abused and molested and even raped god and you won't waste any of those things, God, but you'll use every moment and every hurt and every failure 
and our purpose. God, I thank you that there is no plan B, that it's always plan A for you, with you. We commit ourselves to, to learning more about your plan for us and walking into it willfully, God. And I would pray, Lord, that you would help us to be connected to one another to walk out our purpose and calling. And that even this week you would fill our life groups and the small groups who are going through this together and, and, and help us to walk in this journey together. And I pray a blessing upon each and every one of us in this room. God, cause your face to shine upon us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.